subway Staring off into space She does a gig at the blue note She blows the roof off the goddamn place So check yourself When you think WVKR Independent Radio, Poughkeepsie, New York. I'm so proud and thrilled to play that single. It was just released. It's called, obviously, Ordinary People. And it's the new newest release from James Maddock. The album itself is called Nightworks. If you haven't already, please consider scribing, subscribing to the Local Motion on 91.3 WVKR YouTube channel and giving a like and a follow on the Facebook page by the same name. And now, let us see. James, are you with me? I am. Wonderful thing. It's always a good thing. Um, congratulations on yet another masterpiece of yours. Well, very kind of you to say that. I uh, I think it's a very strong record. I'm really happy with it, and I uh, hope people like it. I think they will. It, it's really, I'm thrilled to, like I said, we're going to have this whole hour. We'll talk, but we're going to play some of these tracks after you and I are done talking. So we'll start. And thank you for allowing me to play these before it's officially released. This album's actually right. being released next week on the 21st. And I know you're having a big jammer at... Uh, the Wonder Bar in Asbury Park. Yes, and everybody is invited. Including Bruce Springsteen? He particularly is not invited because <laughs> when, when he comes, he just takes over. And uh, I don't want people looking at him. They've got to look at me. <laughs> beautiful, James. Beautiful. I love that. I love that. Um, let's, let's step back a little in time and let's let our listeners learn about James Maddock. Um, you have that lovely English accent. Tell us where in the UK you're from. I'm from a little village in the middle of Leicestershire, which is uh, in the middle of the country. Uh, it's like if you were to look at a map of England, uh, Leicestershire is like dead centre. And uh, I'm from a little rural village Originally, I lived there for like the first 20 years of my life. And then I moved to London when I was like in my early 20s, 21, 22, something like that. And I spent like 20 years in in the, in London playing the clubs and pubs and doing a bunch of things, you know, like that. And then I moved here about 20 years ago. Wow. So you're like the 2020 20, 20 spot. 
what's next? Oh, yeah. I don't know where I'm going. Well, you know, do any of us really, you know, so. That's right. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about like music coming into your life. You're obviously a guitarist. You're a singer. You're a songwriter. When did you first pick up an instrument? And was it always guitar being your first instrument? Uh, my grandfather was a George Formby impersonator during the war. And that is, uh, he was a very famous uh, music hall uh, ukulele singer with these kind of comedic songs, you know, that were quite risque. And he also made movies. And my granddad was a, was a really fantastic uh, ukulele player. Uh, and uh, he kind of taught me some rudimentary chords on the ukulele when I was about eight or nine. And then there was always guitars lying around the house and ukuleles. And I, I started to play them and transfer what I'd learned on the ukulele, which was very little. And then I started to play the guitar a bit more seriously at school. And uh, from the age of about 14, 15, I really played a lot of guitar and really put a lot of time into, you know, practicing the guitar. And Did you have uh, lessons? I, start... I had a, a guy called Dave Yeomans used to come over on a Saturday morning and uh, he would uh, teach me. I'd be in bed and my mum would say, Dave's here, James, Dave's here. It'd be like 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning. And I'd come down in my pyjamas and uh, Dave would teach me uh, a song or two but he also the thing about Dave is that he he would say to me hey you should listen to uh, this record by and it would be like Ry Kuda or Randy Newman mm. or Neil Young or uh, uh, Jackson Brown or these kind of West Coast guitar based singer songwriters and uh, I got an education from him uh, you know and listening to those guys and I, and I would go and buy the records and you know try and play like those guys yeah you and i are the same age so it's there was no youtube or anything like that to no. learn from more internet or anything and, and good for that no. that was a nice time um were you also part of like the beatles craze and the stones and all the british invasion music when i was uh my earliest memory really is playing the magical mystery tour album when i was really little like four or five uh, that came out as a double ep um, with a very strange record cover with all strange photographs in it of the Beatles. And those records were very strange. You know, I'm the Walrus and uh, <laughs> Blue Jay Way and Your Mother Should Know, as people know that record. Uh, that certainly is my earliest memory, and I would play that record uh, over and over again as a four- or five-year-old. And uh, there was a Rolling Stones record, through the past darkly in the house used to listen to that all the time so i definitely have you know those records in my life mm. big time yeah yeah cool songwriting it, it seems to almost come easy to you um when did you start writing songs well when i was at school we had a school band and we would do covers and we would play everybody else's songs and then i thought well i'll try and write some songs and I was a singer, so I, I kind of started writing songs for that band when I was about 15, 16, and thankfully none of those songs exist. You know, <laughs> they're, they're, nobody they're never, nobody ever heard them. And I would write all the time, and I, would, I continually wrote all my 20s, and I had a bunch of record deals and things like that when I was in my 20s, uh, but I don't think I ever really hit my stride as a songwriter till I was in my early 30s. And then I wrote some songs which I thought, oh, these are better for some reason than the ones I wrote. In my mind, anyway, some people still like my older stuff, but I don't really like it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, in my 30s, I, I started to write. I turned a corner with my writing and, you know, I, but I've always been a writer, but obviously not most. The trick about songwriting is really a lot of it is to do with editing, self-editing, realizing when you've got something that's actually worth working with as opposed to something that's not. And there you have to try and apply that, you know, that editing to your songwriting. And a lot of it's in that, you know, realizing whether you've got something worth pursuing or not. The cover, and hence I don't do Spotify because I love to see albums and CD covers. The covers of Nightwork, your newest release, shows you writing at a table with a guitar in your hand. 
when yeah. when you write, do you do you write lyrics first and the music later, or does sometimes the melody comes and then words later? What's the process for you? Mostly, uh, it's it's melodies, and then I will mumble a few words, and if I'm lucky, I'll get a title mm-hmm. with the chorus. I'll get a, a title or an idea that I will flesh out over a lengthy period. It depends on how inspiration strikes me. Sometimes the lyrics can take, you know, a few hours and sometimes they can be take weeks and weeks and weeks. So but I generally have much more of the melody than the words. I, I, I really like it when I've got a title and an idea mm-hmm. that I can hang the song on and then I'll just try and find ways of expressing the idea in the verses. Do you write several songs at the same time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this album, Nightworks, I wrote most of those songs in a period of a couple of weeks. Wow. Um, I just I just had a, a kind of a flurry of songs, and they all came very quickly. And, um, you know, I thought, actually, they, they sometimes when I do that, they're really not, you know, I, they're, not, they're not that great. And maybe half of the songs sound like the other half because you're kind of in the same mode. Mm-hmm. But I thought, this, I mean, there's a little bit of that in these songs, I think, but I thought it was strong enough to stand, you know, uh, as a piece of work. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, here we are. Yeah, here we are, absolutely. So going back to your 20-year-old self, going from your little town in the UK and then moving to London, um, I understand your first album was released in 1982. Is that correct? Yeah, that that was probably one of the records I did when I was in Leicester with my with my got with my friends and that from Leicester. Uh, but you know, they're the kind of songs that really should never see the light of day. I mean, they were they just you know. Some people write, you know, there's a lot of songwriters that just come out of the womb fully formed, you know, like Bob Dylan or Paul McCartney or something. But I was not that guy. You know, it took me a long while to get into my stride. Into your stride. So those songs are not really something I'm particularly... I mean, I've not really heard any of them for so many years. But Do you still have your old albums? Are they like you keep your own releases, I would assume? Not really, no. Really? Wow. (laughs) I'm not really... I don't think they're very good, so I get embarrassed to listen to them, and I wouldn't really want to listen to them. And I think, oh, man, what was I thinking? Well, here's another way of looking at it. You can say, wow, how far I've come. Well, yeah, I wish I'd come a lot further a lot sooner, I suppose, well, is the other yeah. way. I Better late than never, James. Better late than never. Thanks. So, um, no, thank you. <laughs> I also understand another one of your earlier bands. Tell me what your thoughts are about this one. Um, Fire Next Time. Yep, so when I moved to London, I had a band and we signed a record deal with Stiff Records, which was a great label back in the 80s. And uh, and then I had another record deal with Polydor Records um, and we recorded a few records. But, you know, the way their industry was, they didn't come out and uh, I don't really... I mean, somebody, they must have liked me enough to sign me, but I, I kind of... Don't, I feel the same way about those songs that I do about the early ones. Wow. That maybe they weren't that uh, great. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. And but, then you also um, had some success with your band called Wood. Yeah. So I had, I had a bunch of I did a bunch of demos in the in the UK in the late nineties, and uh, we would go. This is a funny story. We would every weekend that we would go into Abbey Road and record our demos wow. because our, fr- our friend worked there and he would get us in there when it wasn't being used and that was quite a lot at the weekend. So he would go and record in Abbey Road all the time, like in the Beatles studio and it was a very surreal experience. So I made all these demos of these songs um, and then we went around to all the record labels in the UK and nobody liked any of, the, any of them at all. And then uh, I met a, a, a woman manager, a, a couple of people, and the, she took my records over to uh, Columbia Records here in New York, and they liked it. And then I signed that deal with Columbia Records in the late 90s. Wow. With wow. the Wood album. Wow, yeah, with the Wood album. And you also had uh, quite a few songs that were on Dawson's Creek, the TV show. 
Yeah, I had a bit of success with Dawson's Creek, and uh, I got a song in um, Serendipity, the movie with John Cusack. Oh, I love that movie. And, you know, a few a few of the things which, and, uh, you know, our song Stay You did pretty good at AAA, but we never really had a big hit, and then, cut a long story short, you know, we got dropped, and that was the end of that. That yeah. was like in the 2000 and or something like that, you know, when it all ended with Columbia Records. And I'd moved to New York by that time. So I and here you are. Here. And you're still in New York, lucky for us. And um, oh, yeah, yeah, well, now, yeah, the 20 years in New York. Um, also, I mean, everybody, you have so many fans, by the way. I've seen you countless times perform oh. in various uh, configurations, and your fans are very loyal to you. And, um, you know, they sing the songs when you're up there. They know every single word. And it seems like one of the biggest ones that I see everyone sing along to, which I also love, is called Another Life. And and I think more and more as I hear the song you playing at different times, it has different meanings to me. Does it have that to you as well? I mean, yeah, all the songs have a different meaning at different times, depending on what I'm going through as a person. So they definitely uh, morph into different, have different meanings. Mm -hmm. That one particularly, you know, depends what you're going through in your life. And it can definitely hit you in a different, you know, in in many different ways. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a, it's one of those ones that I just always love it when you perform. We're lucky to have you here in the Hudson Valley. You and your friend Brian Mitchell, of course. You kept us yeah. all entertained during COVID when there were only oh. a few places to go play, like the Falcon outside, right? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So I remember that was great. Yeah, and I've been doing that thing again. Oh, we do a little trio with Sean uh, Pelton and Brian and I. We're starting to play that, and that's a real thrill. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And Brian, of course, a great friend, and we go to Italy together, me and Brian, every year. Well, you know, is that going, happening later this year? It might. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where we're going to go this year. We might go. It's still up in the air. Okay, all right. If not, there's, we, there's, we, you know, we do, we do. Funnily enough, we do have a brand new. We haven't, we haven't printed it up yet, but we have this brand new uh, Brian Mitchell and James Maddox Live in Italy album, which has really come together so fantastic. And uh, somebody recorded us playing out there, and we kind of made it into a record. And I'll, I'll be re- trying to, I'm just trying to get that together to print that up, and we'll have that for sale. And that just came out really, really great. So I'm oh. looking forward to that. But Brian is so brilliant, and I'm so honored by his friendship and his playing and his vibe and uh, I, I absolutely love Brian Mitchell he's the two of you have beautiful musical energy together and you just play so lovely from off of each other it's like you've been playing for decades it really feels um, that way and but um, I just try and live up live, I just try and hang on you know play up to his quality because obviously he's the master and uh, I try and keep things simple and uh, he's He's just a wonderful, wonderful musician. Yeah. And a wonderful and, guy. Yeah. And and I tell you, when you added Sean Pelton into the mix, that I saw you at the Falcon. I don't know when it was, a month or two ago or whatever it was. And then oh. Sean with the little accordion, too, was like, what? <laughs> what about that? <laughs> I never saw Sean Pelton on a good on an accordion. I think it's his new jam, you know. He's decided to play, add to his already... You know he's got he's got he's got things on his feet and he's got you know all kinds of things going around and playing rhythm. What else can he do? Oh, I play an accordion with my left hand. I love it. I was telling him he looks like the Unabomber when he has those things on his legs, on his ankles, and all of that. It's just so right. funny. Well, so well, you funny. Know, he, he, he's the master, and uh, my word, you know, to have Sean playing rhythm and accordion. He's a great on the accordion as well. So. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, it's just, you know, more fun. More accordions equal more fun. Yeah, absolutely. I bet you Brian and Sean would definitely agree with you on that one. Well, Brian is was initially very suspicious of Sean when Sean turned up with the accordion because <laughs> he, he kept it a secret from Brian. Oh. Brian did not know that Sean was an accordion player. Of course, Brian is one of the great accordion players on the planet. Yeah. And, uh, 
And then to have two of them playing accordion is a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Brian must have been so surprised to see Sean with pulling one of those out. I, I can't imagine. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope the three of you um, keep doing what you're doing there because it's a lot of fun. And I tell you, I think you mentioned it one time, and I, you know, I would love when you guys go back to Italy at some point, you had said something about, oh, we'll bring some fans along. And you guys all kind of like just, you know, do this like mini tour of Italy and you go to a few destinations and you invite some fans with you. And um, I think that's a beautiful thing. Well, I I did think that was a good idea. And then until I put it on the Facebook and then I got like 700 people saying yes. they wanted to come. Yes, but you limit it. I, you limit it to like 12 people. So listen, I'm actually going to train to be a start training next month to be a travel agent. So if you ever want to make that happen, you come let me know and we'll we'll work on it together. Really? Yeah. I'm serious. I'm serious. I am going to start um, this new little part-time thing and I'm going to become a travel agent because I'm crazy about travel and what better way to do it than really learn the industry and get to places. Because I, w- I just don't want the responsibility of having to... I've got enough to worry about with the gigs. I don't want to be responsible right. for people, people's accommodation. They come to me and they go, James, the Blooming Hotel, we, the boards don't work in the hotel, or, you know, the food's no good, or I don't... You know what I mean? No, I, that's why... No, no, that's exactly what... Me. That's what I'm going to specialize in, European travel and um, and river cruises. And that is exactly what I want to do. So, James, we'll talk when you're ready to do that. Let me know. Let me get my training in. Let me get my feet wet. And, um, right. you know, things could work in a year or two or whatever. So, I like but, it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I think it would right. be a nice idea. Now, let's talk a little deeper about night work um, being released July 21st, um, you've already released the track Ordinary People, which is a six-minute track. You've got a beautiful video that goes with that. Talk to me about that song. It's the last track on the album, and it, it's a very beautiful track. So if you could just oh. go into depth about that one, please. Well, I just thought of this idea about, you know, we tend to don't really think about what people do with their lives and uh, everybody has got a story to tell. Everybody's got uh, something to add to the world, and you can gloss over it, and you can not you take people for granted. Where you know everybody can do something amazing, mm-hmm. and it's just about va- trying to value people and look at people differently, and, and trying to appreciate that everybody's got something to bring to the table and do amazing things. And they you don't know what what people are going through. You don't know what what is their a person's journey, what they do with themselves, and they could do incredible things, and you never would know. Mm-hmm. That's just a song about that, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. But it's important. It's important. Important to remember, you know, that there's amazing people out there doing things. Yeah, you, and you know. it's it's sometimes a lot of people we don't know, right? You don't know them. They're not Who's famous not? people. They're just what we say everyday ordinary yeah. people. Yeah. Exactly. It's not a, an original idea. I mean, it's just it, it's a bit of a cliche, really. But I think it was worth saying, and I, I just felt that the lyric told that story, and I thought I wanted to go with it. So mm-hmm. I, I just I just come up with that, I, that that song, and it just it's got like a double chorus, um, which I thought was really cool. And then I just had the verses talking about different people, and then uh, we rocked it out, and then uh, I got. Uh, I think got Steve Jackson's drumming on it, and my friend Jim O'Malley on the bass, and uh, Dave O'Donnell mixed it, and it come out. It come out really strong. It was a nice way to end the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and twelve tracks on this CD. I mean, you're a busy guy. If if I'm gonna guess, I'm gonna say that you already have at least half of your next CD ready already. <laughs> Well, uh, I wish I did. I don't. <laughs> no. I have. I, I. To be honest with you, I actually have maybe one idea that is okay, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to title. But I've got one little mel- maybe maybe one and a half little ideas. So I've just not been writing that much lately. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit behind the ball. But normally I do have some ideas. But 
This one came very fast. You know, I literally wrote most of the songs in the space of a couple of weeks. Uh, that's slightly unusual uh, for me, but uh, I don't feel I'm not. I mean, it's quite expensive putting out a record. So yeah. If I had, if if I had the, the the songs ready to go, I there's no way I could keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, the only reason, I, and let, I want to say this as well, you know, the only reason I've been able to make this record is due to the generosity of the fans because it, they donated money, um, and the record cost well over twenty five thousand wow. dollars, probably up to thirty thousand dollars now for everything. And uh, the fans really threw in almost all of that money. And, uh, you know, without the fans and their support, there's just none of this. Without, and that's true of all my records. I, I really have relied. In, in, I don't have a label or a rich parents or anything like that or independent income. I'm entirely dependent on uh, the fans' support for, uh, to make the records. So even if I had the records, I couldn't really go to the fans and say, hey, I need, I, need, I need another 30 grand. Right, right, right. But you know <laughs> what? It shows so much um, about you and your talent when record after record you have fans helping and really, you know, believing in you because that's what they're showing you when they're giving you money. Yeah, totally, that's right. And I really, uh, you know, I, I think that spurs me on because I want to make sure that I do the best I can. I'm not going to put out something that that lets them down, lets their belief in me down, uh, and I'm going to really try and not ask for the money until I've got some understanding that the material I'm working with is worth their hard-earned money. Right, 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 right. right. And you recorded this at Innsbruck Studios, is that right? Well, actually, what happened was I worked with the guys from Wood, my old drummer and bass player from the band, who Steve, the drummer, lives in the UK, and he built a he built a studio in his shed about a year ago, and he, he wrote me and said, hey, if you've got any songs, send them over to me and I'll play drums on them. So that's how that came about. So he, he I sent him over a little demos of me playing the songs on acoustic guitar he drummed them in his studio and he sent me the files over and i tracked them up you know very piecemeal and then i went to innsbruck studios in beacon with our roman and we kind of tracked them up there but but uh, it was done kind of you know bit by bit across the pond and right here in 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 the states Yeah. yeah yeah it's amazing what technology can allow you to do now Absolutely. Would I have loved to be in the studio with Steve and Jim and everybody? Yeah, I would have loved to do that, but that was not something I could afford. Right, right, so. right. That wasn't going to do. Let's talk about a few of these other songs. To the uh, the first track, "Runaway." Yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. I love that song. It's really a poppy song. It's kind of a Eagles meets Creedence song, and uh, it's just it's just got that really seventies. Uh, take an easy vibe, you know. I always love the Eagles and always love that vibe, and I and I kind of went for that. And the song wrote itself in like five minutes. Amazing. And uh, I just went for it, and it's a it's a nice, happy kind of foot tapping, friendly song. Hence, it's the first track on the album. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so, what about Lavender Blue? That is a song about my mom. Oh, They're about uh, wandering around the garden. Mm. <laughs> on a nice sunny that sunny day, oh. and uh, I had that little melody, and I, I, she's always she has this kind of blue dressing gown that she wears, and it just all that again. That was a song that wrote itself in like fifteen minutes. Amazing. So I, I had a bit of luck, you know, with some of these songs. Breezy, the next song. That's the kind of a song that, to me, is really about my teenage years, and the songs are. It reminds me of the song, the chord progression. Reminds me of Aztec Camera and uh, things like that that I used to love when I was a kid, and uh, the acoustic nature of uh, I don't know that 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 type of music. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I love that song. It's kind of about all my teenage girlfriends, really. I suppose. Oh, <laughs> I wonder if they're listening to this. Oh, maybe they maybe maybe. And then you also have another song, "Love Ain't Real." Love ain't real. So that is, uh, I had that melody, I had that verse melody for many years, but I didn't really do anything with it. 
And then I, I rewrote the lyrics and then come up with that other chorus. And I think it come out great. Mm-hmm. So that was the last, that record, that song and You Got Me were uh, the last two songs that were made the record. I recorded about 16, 17 songs for the record, but I abandoned a few of them. And uh, then I wrote those two at the end and they, they went, they came out really well. That's Brian Mitchell on the air. Uh, that's Aaron Comess. Uh, and uh, Jack Daly and uh, uh, Brian Mitchell and myself for Beacon. That is a Beacon recording. Lovely. Was, I love the way that come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a good one. And um, Tornado and the Trailer Park. Yeah, that's a song. Uh, I wrote that song, though, I think. I don't know where I come up with that lyric from, the Tornado and the Trailer Park. Probably the news. I think. Drew, my friend, says he saw somebody say that on Yellowstone, which is a TV show. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, I actually watched that first two series of Yellowstone, and I wonder whether I actually heard them say that and wrote it down, thinking that's a good title for a song, because I don't know where that came from. I de- it definitely came from somewhere, you know what I mean? Because I don't know whether I would have come up with that on my own it's like Bob Dylan listens to a lot of you know gets his lyrics from movies and books and things and if your ears are open and somebody will say something on the TV or on a, in a book or on a movie and then you go oh that's an interesting turn of phrase mm-hmm. and I think that come from there I'm not sure though but that Drew told me he heard it on that show mm-hmm. and I turned that into that song which I think is again that's got a kind of Eaglesy vibe but more it's a bit more you know it's a bit sadder Mm-hmm. More. It's the only ballad really on the album, I think, that's right, that I've made it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Storeroom. Storeroom, that is really a song about me being at school when I was learning the guitar and I would literally lock myself off in the storeroom and, and practice the guitar every lunchtime when everybody was out playing in the in the air in the playground. I would go in to that to that little room on my I still remember it and I would go in and just practice the guitar all every lunchtime. When did you pick up the yeah. electric guitar? Really, I suppose when I was like fifteen mm-hmm. I started to listen to you know, I, I wanted an electric guitar. I had one or two really, really, really terrible ones. And then I think my dad bought me a Yamaha SF700, which was a, a first decent electric guitar. And then, you know, I would do all these covers and I played in cover bands of school. We had a cover band and we just played lots of songs from the, you know, Thin Lizzy songs or Tom Petty songs. or And then we would play in the pubs and clubs around Leicester. So I needed an electric guitar for that. Yeah, absolutely you did. Tell me about You Got Me. That is just a raucous faces type song that I wrote, which I wanted it to be about having a good night out and mm-hmm. trying to have a good and having a good time and forgetting all your troubles. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. that is. Featuring Brian on uh, keyboards on that one, I see. Brian's on that, yep. yeah, and that's Jack Daly and I think Aaron's on that. Nope, well. Steve oh, no, Jackson. No, Steve's on that. Yes, Steve's a- on that. Yeah. Aaron was on oh, Storeroom. For- yes. Oh, that's our story. That's yes. Right. So and I was going for like a, I was going for like a faces vibe, and uh, you know, trying to make it a bit ragged and not not too not too thought out. Right. Right. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Just good old fun. Yeah. Um. Talk about back in the day. So that is a uh, that reminds me of a Paul Brady. I love Paul Brady, and I was trying to get capture some of the energy of uh, a Paul Brady song called. Uh, Nothing but the same old story, which is one of my favourite songs of all time. And uh, I had that beat tuning, and I capoed on the fifth fret. And then that's the song about walking around the East Village and trying to have a, having a, you know, trying to go out drinking and drugs and just having a good time and you know trying to relive your past. Right, right, right. And honoree. Honoree is a song about rich people getting always getting you know putting their names on buildings and honoring mm. themselves and uh, aggrandizing their achievements mm-hmm. uh, at the expense of the working man or woman 
and they're, you know, like the Coke buildings and Carnegie and all that stuff. It's just oh, there's too many to count. There's way too many. Too many to count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's just about taking. That's just about pointing out that you know there's. Behind every fortune is a crime, and in that these people have got their names mm. everywhere. And we need Ooh, to that could be a other. song. James, step back. <laughs> All right. In every, every fortune, uh, there could be a crime. Yeah. Work that's on that. the lyrics in the song. But, uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to point that out. Right. And I think that's come out really good. I, wanted, I, I was going for, believe it or not, like a Lauren Hill vibe on that, uh-huh. trying, to get it, trying to get it a bit of a drum machine and make it sound a little hipper. Yeah, and they come out good. Yeah, it did. And the last one, because we've already talked about ordinary people, is born and raised. Yeah, again, that's a more you know social criticism about you know social consciousness determined by social being, as Karl Marx would say. And it's just about you know people are born into uh, circumstances in a life that they don't can't escape and. Uh, it can determine their whole life. You know, you can be born into a a bad situation, yeah. born and raised in it, and you're not you're not always got the ability to escape. Yep, yep. That's, that's what that song's about. And I see that that features our friend Clark Gayton. Right. Yeah, on the trombone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That might be the last session he did before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I think. I think so. I think so. I think of him so often, and I, um, I, I like. I don't really pray, but I send out good intentions, and I think of him often. I really, really do. So, yeah. Well, he's a, you know, he's a, a beloved guy. Yeah. We love, we love him, and it's a, it's a tragedy, and we all hope he makes a recovery uh, as best as he can. He, right. For those who don't know, he's he had a stroke in November. And uh, he's, you know, he's he's been suffering pretty bad. It's, it, uh, we just so wish him all the best. We raised a lot of money for therapy for him, and um, we just hope he gets the help he needs and he makes as good a recovery as he can. As he can, right, right. We'll see what happens. Yeah, 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 yeah. My heart goes out to him. That's for sure. That's for sure. Um, so James, you you're gonna party next week um, because you got a release coming up on July 21st, um, and yeah. you are going to be that day at the Wonder Bar in Asbury Park. Um, yeah. that's gonna be fun. So I wish yeah. you, I wish you so much fun on that day, July 21st. I see on your website you've got a couple of dates at the end of August, and um, if I know you, there's more dates creeping up as time goes forward. So, um, yeah, yeah, and I, I hope you are bringing it back up here, which I'm sure you will, to the Hudson Valley here and uh, do some more shows with Brian as time permits, both of your schedules. And um, and I just want to thank you for the music that you've given to all of us here in the world because, like I said, you've really got some diehard fans and you are mm. as good a songwriter as anybody that's out there and i thank you you really are you really are so um thank you for your beautiful gifts of music i'm gonna let you go and i'm gonna play some of these tracks the next one i'm gonna play now is back in the day and um mm, great and i just thank you for your time and um well, thank you yeah yeah thank you for thank you for your support Rita. i really appreciate uh, you taking the time to do this and uh it's I really I want to thank you, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, absolutely. See you soon, James. Be well, and um, until next time, thank you. Okay, bye. Take care. Bye. 913 WVKR James Maddock. You can visit his website, jamesmaddock.net. He'll also be James Maddock Music on Facebook and Instagram. And Nightwork will be released officially July 21st. You can already see hear the one track called Ordinary People. And um, let's play. Let's play. Let me stop talking. Let's play another track from this brand new album. This one's called Back in the Day here on 913 WVKR.
Tradition states the right of me 
makes his own mistakes as he pens his lonesome song. You're running blind down the alleyway. WVKR, another masterpiece of an album that we are premiering um, right here on Local Motion. James Maddock, we just heard Love Ain't Real, and we heard the other track called Back in the Day. The new album, which will be released next week, July 21st, is titled Night Work. Info at jamesmaddock.net. You can find James Maddock Music on Facebook and Instagram. And... This guy is as prolific a songwriter as anyone that you'll know out there. And if you missed part or all of that interview or you'd like to hear it again, it will be uploaded tonight on the Local Motion on 91.3 WVKR YouTube channel, as well as the Facebook page by the same name. So please consider subscribing and following and all that good stuff. And then you'll keep up with all the great music that's happening here on the show. I've got a few minutes left, but we've got Dr. J in the house with Irie Groove, so stay tuned for that coming up at the top of the hour. Always an entertaining show. I'll be back again next Wednesday with Billy Martin of Modesky, Martin & Wood. We'll be talking about all kinds of things going on and also Creative Music Studio, which he's the um, president of now. So they've got some great concerts coming up that we'll discuss with Billy Martin. In two weeks, I will host the brand new executive director of Arts Mid-Hudson, Melissa 
Dosvenja Thomas. And that middle name there, I know I'm not saying it right, but Melissa is how I know her, and I'm thrilled to have her here. Wonderful things happening in the art scene here in the Hudson Valley. So she'll talk to us about all those great happenings. Three weeks. We'll start off August with Cindy Cashdollar. Always a pleasure to have five-time Grammy winner Cindy Cashdollar on the airwaves here with us. And August 9th, welcoming back Mr. Yorma Kalkinen. It's always like one of the best things that I get to do is speak to Yorma. Um, we're, we're totally booked with guests until the end of September. So I'm actually booking into October now. So keep it tuned every Wednesday, 4 to 6 p.m. right here on Local Motion. I'm going to leave you out with another track from the new album Nightwork by James Maddock. This one's called The Tornado and the Trailer Park. I'll see you next week. Stay tuned for Dr. J at 6 p.m. And let's take a listen to James Maddock right here, right now. 91.3. Toys and bikes and cars and clothes Strewn across the fields and roads And this old house ain't even got a Since the whirlwind blew on through A trucker pulls off the road to cry Cleans his mirrors and wipes his eyes He makes his money the good old-fashioned way She's not even thinking about him anymore as somebody buys another shot. You're the tornado, he's the trailer park. You're the tornado.